So we're looking this summer uh, at the life of Jacob. Uh, we started that a couple of weeks ago, and so <clears throat> today we're up to uh, Genesis 27, 14 through 29. Uh, let me give you a quick once-over so you can understand where this text is coming from. <clears throat> Isaac, the son of Abraham, uh, and his wife Re uh, Rebekah uh, had uh, twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Uh, Esau was born first. Uh, even when the boys were in utero, they wrestled with each other and almost killed their mother. Uh, when uh, they're born, Esau is born first, but Jacob comes out holding on to Esau's ankle on his way uh, out. <clears throat> and uh, God promised that uh, Jacob, the younger, would be the re recipient of the birthright and that the older would serve the younger. The boys have grown older, Isaac's grown older, and so Isaac realizes that he is close uh, to, to dying, and so he calls Esau to him and says, I want to give you the birthright. Rebecca hears that, and she hatches a plot to trick her husband, Isaac, uh, and to trick him into giving the blessing and the birthright uh, to Jacob. Uh, and so uh, what she tells Jacob is, go out, get some uh, goats and kill them, and I'll fix them so that it looks like game, looks like the kind of stuff that, uh, that Esau would give to his dad, and we'll trick him. And so as we <clears throat> will read in just a few minutes, that's where the, the story picks up uh, here today. So before, but before I read that, let me just say a, a quick word about this. Um, one of the things that is uh, so interesting about the Bible and about this story in particular is these are our people, this is our family, and so uh, as, we, as we read uh, about this, you'll, you should be rightly horrified uh, by this, <clears throat> but you should be horrified not so much that this text shows us how not to be but that it's a mirror, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so I can tell you loved hearing that. Uh, so before I read any more, uh, say any more, let me uh, pray, and uh, uh, then we'll uh, jump into the text. Father, we thank you today that uh, your promise is never thwarted, your purpose is never uh, stopped, and uh, your work, <clears throat> uh, you bring to completion what you promised to complete. And so I pray that you would bless us today and you would help us. I pray that you would make us soft uh, towards the word, towards one another, towards you. And so as we think through these issues today and as we look at this family, we look at the sin, I pray that the cross would grow bigger uh, in our eyes, in our hearts, in our lives. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Genesis 27, 14 to 29, this is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Uh, so it begins with, so he went, that is Jacob, went and took them, that is the two young goats, and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. 
So he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success, which should make a shiver run down your back that uh, your father, Jacob, would use the Lord's name in vain to beef up a lie. It's, it's remarkable. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went to, near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. And then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So I brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is a remarkable story and uh, one that is, uh, should challenge us, should uh, really uh, uh, grab our attention, make us uh, wonder a little bit about our own families, but also uh, uh, about ourselves. One of the things about the Bible and one of the ways that we, uh, it bolsters my confidence uh, is that uh, the heroes, the heroes of the Bible are shown for who they really are, right? Jacob is just a mess. His mother is just a mess. His father is a mess. Even his brother is a mess. Because remember, Esau swore an oath that he would uh, let Jacob have uh, the, the birthright. Um, Isaac knows the promise of God. Rebecca knows the promise of God, and yet she is not content to wait on God to fulfill his promise. She's willing to take matters into her own hands. And Jacob is more than willing to lie and to scheme along with his mother to get what he wants. It's a remarkable story, and as I've thought about it this week, there's a couple of ways that you could look at this and many things that we could draw out from this uh, uh, text, many, many conclusions, many lessons, that sort of thing, but there are really two that I want to draw out. I thought this week, you know, it is interesting as we look at this text, one of the things that, that's happening here is elder abuse, right? I mean, the, the fact is... Um, uh, Rebecca and uh, Jacob are more than happy uh, to uh, abuse Esau. He's uh, obviously he's blind. He must have really thick cataracts, and Jacob has to go into him to say, "Hey, sit up, you know, so I so I can feed you." Not only is he blind, but he's apparently bedridden. But that's not really what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is something that's a little nearer and a little more uh, applicable uh, to us. 
Because what we note here in this text, and I think this is a, is a really marvelous picture of how the Bible is written, is that what's involved here is that, some, uh, that, that Rebecca takes the, uh, some goats, kills them, uses the skins on Jacob because uh, Esau was hairy and Jacob was smooth. Um, and to make him smell like that and make him to seem like that, um, what's really interesting about this is in a few years, God will use a very similar thing to land the consequence of this action in Jacob's lap. What we read in this text today is a, is a really dark thing, but the fact of the matter is Jacob never escapes from the consequences, at least temporarily, temporarily in this world, from what he does here. It's a remarkable, remarkable uh, story and a remarkable picture because many, many years later after this story, when Jacob is an old man and he has a house full of sons and daughters, he plays favorites. He loves his sons Joseph and Benjamin. And he loves Joseph so much that apparently he spoils him. He gives him a coat of many colors. He allows him not to have to work as much as the other boys do. Uh, and he dotes upon him. And Joseph, as all spoiled children are, is a smart aleck and a know-it-all. Uh, one who brags and says to his father and his, and, his, and his big brothers and his mother, you know, hey, I, one day you'll all bow down to me. So one day, this is many years after Jacob deceived his dad, Joseph is sent out to check on his brothers and the herds. And of course, he uh, is himself and they can't take it anymore. So they rough him up and they throw him down in a hole to figure out what they're going to do with him. And so, as they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with him, we read here uh, in Genesis chapter 40, Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his, his blood? In other words, let's figure out a way to make some money on this deal. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh." And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben, that's the oldest son, returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in the blood, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. Now, and that, that's, do you get a sense of just how warm this family is towards one another? Here's your son's, this robe looks like your son's robe. Please identify it for us, right? And he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. 
All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. What a remarkable story, right? Jacob, uh, when he enters into this uh, agreement to deceive his father with his mother, uh, could never imagine what would happen as a result of that. So he sets in motion here uh, things that are going uh, to go wrong in his life over and over and over again culminating here in that story where he believes that Joseph is dead, that his sons deceived him in his old age, just as he deceived his father in his old age. Remarkable story, just a a crazy, crazy story. So certainly you can see the fruit of favoritism here being worked out. But you know what? I don't want to talk to you about that because we all play favorites. We all do. God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite, right? Isn't that kind of the way? Isn't that kind of the way we think about this? But what I really want to talk to you about today uh, is the cruelty of deception. It is a cruel thing that Rebecca and Jacob plot together to deceive the old man, Isaac. And it is a terrible thing that Jacob's sons deceived him in his old age over their hatred for Joseph. But there's a more cruel deception than that, and it's the deception that sin tells us that we can embark upon willful sin and we can handle it. Or that we can foresee what the results of our sin will be and we're willing to take those consequences. If you've taken Jacob aside here as Rebecca says, go kill the goats and we're going to trick your father, And she were to say to him, don't do it, because what's going to happen is uh, you'll flee from here for many years, you'll be estranged from your brother, and one day when you're old, your sons will trick you and it will break your heart. One of the things that you'll notice if you read in the Old Testament, if you read Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, all the laws about all the sacrifices and and all the things that people did for the covering of sin, one of the things that you will note about that is there is no provision in any of those laws, in any of those sacrifices, in any of those things for what's called high-handed sin. In other words, All of those coverings for sin are for kind of incidental, accidental, sins of weakness, sins of accident, that sort of thing. But there was no covering in the Old Testament law for deliberate sinning. And so what you see here in this text is, and what you see in this occurrence is, our father Jacob deliberately, knowingly, 
violating his conscience, violating what he knew to be true, to sin against his brother and to sin against his father. And so the great news for us in this is, is that the covering that Jesus Christ provides and his atonement even covers our willful sin. It even covers those sins and others that have been willfully exercised against you. It covers them as well. And so there's great news for us in that. Uh, it's, 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 it's frankly, uh, uh, it should stun us and, and should grab our attention that the gospel is so scandalous that someone like Jacob is God's chosen one. But there's another part of this that I think is important for us to think about, and it's this question, right? Do you actually reap what you sow? Do you? Now, I have a couple of reactions to that. One is that uh, when I was a kid, my dad told me this every day. <laughs> and I just thought it was the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Really? You reap what you sow? Come on, come on. And especially as I got older and he got stupider, you know, as uh, I, I, was, I concluded that, you know, he just doesn't know what he's talking about and he's just manipulating me by telling me that I will reap what I sow. And I remember him one day sitting and just shaking his head at me, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why are you shaking your head at me like that? He's like, your day is coming. And I don't, now I would have said that with, your day is coming, but he said it with a degree of sadness. We deceive ourselves if we think that we can embark upon sinful paths of behavior and the consequences of those behaviors never come home and sit in our lap. Uh, a number of years ago, there was a great movie, many years ago, there was a great movie that came out called City Slickers, uh, before most of you were born. Uh, it's a story about uh, three guys from New York who are not very smart and who go off on a quest where they drive cattle across uh, uh, the prairie to, uh, uh, to a ranch. And they have a guide named Curly. Curly is Jack Palance, who, as my, when I was growing up as a kid, was the universal bad guy in every Western. Well, he's their guide. And he's a tough guy, but you kind of come to love him. And then, lo and behold, one day they get up. They're getting ready to go. They can't find him. They go outside the camp. He's sitting on a rock, and he's dead. And they're horrified. What are we going to do? But the classic thing is... One of the characters looks at Curly and says, you just can't eat bacon every meal. <laughs> There's a consequence. Of course, now science has changed, and we know that actually you can. <laughs> and that uh, by eating bacon every meal, you'll live to be 120, right? Apparently, that's the, the new science. This, these things shift, right? I, I feel like I need to, to, to talk about this a little bit to make this a little bit humorous because it is a very serious thing for us to look at the fact that God's moral economy is such that we reap what we sow. 
Now, a couple of words about that. One of the things that we should see about that, one of the things that should, should help us with that is this. It is a good thing that we reap what we sow. Uh, that's particularly a sense that uh, there, there is justice, God's justice at work in the world and in the universe. And so that's a good thing. But secondarily, there's a good thing about us reaping what we sow as well. Because in the mercy and the power of God, God takes that harvest that reaping of our sinful behavior and willfulness and rebellion. And when those consequences land in our lap, he uses those consequences to change us, to soften us, to renew us, to humble us. Now, that's... the. That, that some, you know, we do almost anything we could to avoid that. But God in his goodness and his grace, by the time Jacob dies, he is a sweet, uh, softened, gracious, forgiving, loving man. So one of the things that we have to see about that is, is that when we say that we will reap what we sow, that we, we think that that's just kind of a cul-de-sac, that there's no redemption even in that. But the fact is the cross is so big and the atoning work of Jesus is so good and so strong that even the consequences, the natural consequences that come to us in this life for our willful sin, God uses those to change us, to renew us, to soften us, to, to turn us into more and more looking like Jesus. And so there's, there's good news in that. Now that, again, we, you know, please, please don't uh, take that to say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to reap what I'm going to sow and I'll be more sanctified because I did that, right? That is, that is not, that's not the, the, the logic of this. But the fact of the matter is, we should uh, be marveling at the grace of God that he even takes our sin and he uses that sin in his providence in our lives to change us. That's how big and how strong the gospel is. Um, secondly, we have to ask the question, is there ever a reckoning in our lives for sin? Well, yes, there is. Jacob is going to face the consequences of this, uh, this act here for most of the rest of his life. And even the suffering that he will experience, the loneliness, the fleeing from his brother, the, the, the trickery that his father-in-law will see uh, puts on him, and the fact that even his own sons in his, own, uh, his old age will deceive him, even those things don't really reckon with his sin. That our sin is such that even though we may suffer the consequences for it, those consequences for our sin are not atoning. They don't atone for our sins. You, you, you don't say, okay, I've suffered enough now for what I did there. Because the fact is, our sin is infinite. Now, how can, how can that be? Because our sin is against an infinite being. And because it's against an infinite being, we are infinitely guilty. 
And so someone else must atone. Something else must intervene in between us and God to make us right with God so that though we may experience temporary or temporal or uh, issues of reckoning with the sin in our lives, the eternal reckoning that our sin deserves has been met in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the one who ultimately pays uh, the price for that. And then lastly... Never enter into sin knowingly and think that we can handle the consequences or that we can know what the consequences are. Sin is a wild animal. And as a wild animal, it goes and it wreaks havoc in ways that we could never dream possible. And it does it generationally. And it does it through years. And not only that, but it actually can kind of build upon itself so that what you can see is maybe you can see one step ahead to see that there's going to be this consequence to this. But you can't see the tenth consequence of that. Now, fortunately, God intervenes in our lives sometimes, and we don't experience the full consequence of our sin. Sometimes we, we, we escape as uh, 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 the, 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 the consequences of our sin. But the fact of the matter is, the truth of the scriptures and the truth of God's moral universe is that ultimately, Ultimately, consequences for sin land in our life, even if it's not a consequence of, of uh, devastation or something like that. It can even have the, the, the negative consequence in our lives of hardening us against others and against God's grace. We don't want that. We don't ever want that. And you could never predict or imagine that you could find yourself today in a situation where you didn't care what God thought about you. That you didn't care that you had offended him, right? So the last word on this is this. So this, these people are just a mess. And it is going to be a mess generationally. In fact, it's going to continue to be a mess and continue to be a mess and continue to be a mess. But through it all, God's promise remains true. God has said that he would bless the earth, bless the world, bless all peoples in the world, that he has made this promise that these people, this family is through whom he will bring the Redeemer, and he does it. He makes it happen. He brings the Redeemer through this family, and all of this wickedness and all of this sin is poured out upon Jesus Christ on the cross so that we are set free. Jesus, our true older brother, who had the birthright by right, gives it up so that we, his younger brothers and sisters, now have the full rights as sons, join heirs with him, It's a marvelous gift uh, to people, to rebellious, to
to high-handed sinners like us. And so as we come to the Lord's table, it's an opportunity for us uh, to celebrate and to take joy in the fact uh, that the winding road of redemption is not broken uh, by our own willful disobedience. Join me now in the words of institution to the Lord's Supper. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God for the people of God. Let's confess our sins by using this confession based on Psalm 5. Hear our words and our groanings, O Lord. Give attention to our cry for mercy. You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. You abhor the third bloodthirsty and deceitful. Forgive us, good Lord. We have sinned against you and our neighbor. We have sought to justify ourselves before you. We have attempted to atone for our own sins and punish the sins of others. And so we have boasted in sin and self. By your mercy alone, by the abundance of your steadfast love, may we enter your house. Because of your Son, O Lord, let us find refuge in you. Take away our sins and let us ever sing for joy. Cover us with your favor as with a shield for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of encouragement. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are.